Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Arseholics podcast on uh, when this Wednesday, Wednesday evening. Um, we haven't recorded in a little while, I think. It feels like we haven't recorded in a little while, so there's plenty to cover today. You got me, Raj. Joining me is Mice and Aaron. Hello, boys. Hello, hello. Missed you guys. You good, mate? When was the last? When, yeah, I'm good. What was when we recorded last? It was, I, I want to say it was, did we record it after Barcelona? I don't think we did. No. No, so it was before Man United. Yes. Because yeah. I don't think we recorded it before Man United. Right, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I remember I sat through the first, it was the Nuremberg game. Yeah, okay. I think it was just after Nuremberg, and I. So we didn't. So we didn't record after the the after the 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 kind of the MLS All Star. I don't think stuff. we did. No. I've, 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 I've have vague memories of talking about it. Um, maybe we didn't. So look, basically, we've been to a couple of countries since that. I mean, we did. Yeah. So we did the whole US tour. We have uh, where the, the club. Well, we we have the, the club <laughs> have. We did the whole US tour. We did the skills challenge. We beat the MLS All Stars, which was like a, an absolute spanking. We then played Man United. Didn't play very well. Lost two nil. Um, and then we played Barcelona in an absolute goal fest and won five three. And today we have just played the Emirates Cup, which used to be a couple of games, but now it's just one game. We played Monaco, and um, after drawing one one, we won on penalties. So uh, that is basically preseason done until the Community Shield, and we're going to get into it. So today on today's episode, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Emirates Cup and what happened today. Um, maybe kind of bake in a few more reflections about uh, pre-season. But then we're going to talk about the David Rea rumour that sort of came out of nowhere. And it seems like more of a rumour, more than a much more than a rumour. Um, it seems like very, very solid. It seems like it's going to happen. Um, so we'll talk about that a bit. And then we're going to look at the Community Shield coming up. Um, but before we do that, the sort of breaking news is a bit of unfortunate breaking news which is that Gabriel Jesus, who didn't start today in the Emirates Cup and he didn't play any part of it, we're hearing that he is out for a few weeks. So it seems like he had a procedure on his knee. I think it was his knee, it was somewhere on his leg, but let's just call it for a knee for now. He had a procedure on his knee this morning and that procedure uh, relates to some kind of niggling thing that he's been feeling. And it relates also to the injury that he had previously that kept him out for a while and which he had surgery for. Arteta seems to have indicated that this has been something that's been bothering him, which would suggest it's been something that was bothering him during, you know, the, the US tour as well. Um, but obviously he played fantastically against Barcelona, actually. So it sounds like it was something where the club didn't have to do anything about and had a decision to make and have taken the decision to do that procedure, which Arteta says will keep Gabriel Jesus out for a few weeks. Mice, it's obviously not great having any player injured just before the season starts, let alone someone who you consider a first-team player how big a blow do you think this is to us, mate? Yeah, it's um, it's potentially massive in the sense that you just want to have, you know, we were looking pretty healthy um, in preseason. I know that there's been a couple of kind of knocks and injuries. I know Zinchenko's been out. I think Declan Rice missed the game previous to tonight's one. So there's obviously been a few a few injuries around the squad, but nothing too major. And it felt like we were going into the community shield and hopefully going into the start of the season with basically 
all of our first team players, if you can really look at our, if you can really call it that anymore. But let's just say the, the you know, the, the kind of 17 or 18 first team players that make up that squad um, and key players, I guess, all ready to go. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's hard to gauge how big of a blow it's going to be for the start of the season because we saw, you know, what Eddie was able to do uh, when it happened around, uh, when did he get injured? During the World Cup, right? Um, so around kind of December, January time. And Eddie deputized fairly well in that period. I know he wasn't like prolific. I know he wasn't at the same level as Gabriel Jesus. And we've talked about this like a million times. So you probably don't need to go into it too much detail again, but he did a fairly decent job. So I guess we kind of know that we should be able to cope without Jesus for maybe a few games. I think the worry is when... We don't really know yet, right? Like it's just come out today, as you said, Raj. And with when it's when it's a it, 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 yeah, I think it was his knee, and I think it's the same knee that I don't know if we know this, but maybe we're just making this up or just putting two and two together and getting five. But yeah, it feels like it, it, apparently it's the same knee that um, he injured during the World Cup and had that long term you know absence with. And if it is, then. There's just this massive worry now, right? Like that is, is that... what Arteta said. It's the same. Oh, okay. It's the same thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. So then it's like a. It's just more of a worry now. If it's a few weeks, I feel like we might be all right to cope, especially with the first few fixtures that we've got. At least the first couple of weeks are not too bad, like on paper. Um, but you know, this is the thing: is it really just a few weeks, or is this going to turn into one of those injuries that, you know, either doesn't really heal itself or just takes longer than everyone expects or or not. And, and I think that's the main worry. I think the other thing is, I think the, 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 the probably the positive thing to look at is what I, what we did in January with bringing Trossard in um, now gives us a little bit of a different option through the middle. And I think a lot of people are, like, I feel like Trossard's just very underrated. And I don't think people look at him as kind of like one of the top players in our squad. But... I think you give him a run of games. I'm not saying you play him through the middle every game, but you give him a run of games. You can obviously play different positions and he can play through the middle. He can play as a false nine. Um, I think that he might be a solution that we use quite a lot at the start of the season, along with Eddie. So like, it's not all doom and gloom. I think it's, it's just a bit annoying for me. Like I just really wanted to start the season with, you know, a fully fit squad for the most part. Um, and, you know, we brought in all these new players. We've got, you know, some, some like massive, made some massive signings, players that are going to come straight into the first team. They don't need bedding in, you know, they've already started. These are not youngsters that we've signed with Rice and Havertz and Timber. So it's kind of like, I just wanted to see that first 11, um, uh, you know, on, on the opening day and see us basically play all of our first team options. You know what I mean? And Arteta have a full selection to pick from. So for me, it's a bit, it's a little bit more annoying than anything. If it's just a few weeks, I think, you know, we should be okay. The kind of the, the nagging worry in the back of my mind is, is it really just a few weeks or is this going to be a longer absence? Yeah. Cause if it's a few weeks, you know, we are un like one and a half weeks away from our first game. And then, you know, like you say, we it's forest at home, which on paper it's, it's okay in relative terms, then palace away. Um, and then it's man United third. So you, you sort of hope that if it is a few weeks, then he's back before the United game, which it's interesting because I completely agree with what you're saying. It's obviously, if it is just a few weeks, probably not the end of the world. But 
um, the way that Arteta spoke, he spoke with quite a lot of confidence on this one. It was almost like this was a very calculated decision and it's not a big deal. And it's just that he's done this procedure and this is how long it's going to take, like a few a few weeks, um, as opposed to saying, you know, this is a massive blow and, you know, not sure, hopefully, you know, he'll be back sometime in, you know, the, the first couple of months. If he said something like that, I probably would have been a bit more concerned. But but you're right. It, you know, it could be it could be a problem. And Aaron, in this, um, you know, Myers makes this point about Trossard. Trossard seems to have been probably our standout player in preseason. I have to admit, you know, I haven't watched 90 minutes of all of our pre preseason games, but whatever I have seen in any of the reviews of all these games is really holding Trossard up as a shining light. I mean, he scored two good goals against Barcelona and and just you know seems to have been playing really well. And like Myers said. Um, there's this possibility that he's kind of gone under the radar a little bit in terms of his actual quality. And there was also that period last season where he was playing as this kind of false nine and it seemed to actually get a lot out of Saka and Martinelli as well. Um, what do you think? Do you think that actually that's a bit disrespectful on Eddie and we should just assume that if Jesus is going to be out, then Eddie, whose only position is centre forward, um, is going to be vying for it? Or third option the fact that we've got, you know, the guy who plays up front for Germany and was playing up front for Chelsea last season, Kai Havertz. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think I think it probably will be Trossard. I reckon, look, we we don't really have to guess, right? Like, we, we had Jesus injured last season and Eddie started well, did his bit, but he kind of faded away for me and really struggled to really make his mark on games like he he had big moments right he had those he had that game against man united he had some big moments in and around there but he tended to fade away and i think what arteta likes is the thing with gabriel jesus is he might not have those moments but he impacts and he runs the game he runs around he he puts tackles in he pressurizes defenders he can he goes out left he goes out right and he can dribble and I just think Eddie is just not that kind of player. And I think with Trossard, Trossard did a really good job when he was in the team for me. I really liked when he was up front. I think he got the best out of the players around him and he and he can do a lot more. And and yeah, I think I think Trossard is a bit underrated, Mize. I think you're right. Where we look, we don't we've said this so many times now. We especially after this summer, we don't now have a first eleven, right? We have pushing 16, 17 first-teamers now, probably. Um, and this Jesus injury, yeah, look, it's really annoying because I was really looking forward. To, like, he was probably the one player I was looking forward to seeing this season. Like, because I think we only really saw, like, a 75% of what... I think he had, like, a big chunk that we just... He couldn't get... He didn't get a run of games where he could really get going. Like, he started the season off on fire... And he was really good up until the World Cup. And then obviously the injury came. And then since since then, he, he just struggled to get going. And I thought he looked really good in pre-season. He's shown moments where he can you know, demonstrate you know, he can go up a level. And this injury just puts him back uh, two weeks. And, you know, players are, you know, hopefully nearing full fitness. But he's going to have a bit of a reset now where he's going to have to try and build up his fitness again, which is really annoying. And then you're right. Like the concern is... We seem to have developed a bit of a habit where we say he's at players are out for like two, three weeks and they disappear for two months. And yeah, this injury doesn't hurt us as much as it would have done uh, a year ago. Um, but it is still a huge, huge blow. And it's just annoying more than anything. Um, 
because you know it's one of the positions where I think we are yeah you know, we don't have a like for like replacement right There's, there is no Gabriel Jesus alternative in terms of exactly what he offers um now Eddie gives you something very different um you know the Balogun seems to have been cut from Arteta's plans for whatever reason I don't know if he's still injured as that's why he didn't play today in the Emirates Cup but uh definitely didn't really play much in pre-season had a injury so yeah I think we'll be okay like you said for those first three games um and actually the fixture list is quite kind where look you don't want to take Palace you know Palace away Forest at home Fulham at home I think it is they're not easy games but there are games you'd expect us to win when you we have the squad that we have now um so Man United is a big one hopefully if he's back by then it will be okay but we just yeah, it's just really annoying isn't it it is annoying um yeah don't need to repeat all the stuff that you said but i suppose one of the things that we have done is like like, like you said we beef we've beefed up the squad and and we need to accept that over this season we're probably going to have periods where people that we don't really want to get injured get injured but and just live with it because that's going to be the reality of competing in four competitions um do you but think? It's a, do you think Havertz, Havertz is an option up front? Because I, 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 I didn't answer. I was going to say. Like, I did What do yeah, you? Yeah. Well, my, my my question to you is that. Well, I was going to say to you is that. Um, you know, in your whole response there, you didn't really kind of mention about Kai Havertz, which is interesting. And I, I actually think that. Um, I I think that 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 is something that Arteta would consider because, to be honest, there are similarities with Havertz and and Jesus in the respect that you know they are players that. Um, won't necessarily. They're, they're not like your 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 typical number nines necessarily. They're not like your your eddies. They're going to give you something which can bring others into play. Habits is a big guy and he's very physical and he you know he he might be good for the wingers. Um, he might be good and kind of dropping into kind of awkward positions. So I think it's a possibility. And as well, it, you know, I thought I, I know you can't read that much into it, but Habits didn't start today. Yes, it's preseason. We're we're kind of rotating, but Arteta was willing to play Rice in this sort of Xhaka role, like you know that um, that we thought Havertz is likely to sort of fit into. So, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe he will use Havertz. But I, I think that I, um, I personally think that given Trossard has played this well in preseason, I can see that. I can see us going with that. Um, but I, I equally wouldn't be surprised if it's Eddie. And you know what? This is all good because we've been saying this for a little while, right? It'll be nice to go into games and actually not really know who our starting lineup is. And that's and not in a bad way, not in a because like, oh God, like, you know, what's he gonna do now? But we've got lots of lots of interesting options. Um, so yeah, look, I, I'm it, it is what it is. It's nice as well that it's happened in some ways, it's nice that it's happened now and not say after the community shield, where all of a sudden after the community shield you find out Jesus is out for two weeks or something like that because we wouldn't have been able to, you know, trial stuff and prepare. Um, I mean, my talking about the the actual game today itself, 1-1 uh, against Monaco, the the lineup that started was kind of interesting. Uh, it, it wasn't something, it was definitely not a, a formula we'd seen before because uh, we had um, Timber and uh, Rice starting, I think. So, Oh, no, did Timber start? Is that correct? Yeah, Timber yeah, started. Timber started. Yeah, so so she, both both of them started, and you had people like Emil Smith Rowe, and you know, just the the it was it was all a little bit different from 
from your from anything that you've seen of the game like i know that you know you 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 similarly didn't watch all of it like like i didn't was there anything that you've were able to learn or or, or take from let's go with the first half you've asked the wrong arsehole mate so i've not uh, i've been like offline pretty much for the last like three hours so um i've not seen anything <laughs> to be honest apart from uh what you guys are putting in the group chat so there's absolutely no insight i can provide what was what i found really interesting though and i guess if you guys did see any of it or have caught up um on the game uh you might be able to talk about it talk about it a little bit is i found it really interesting that because it looked like based on the um what was going around on twitter was smith Rowe started on the right it's basically in saka's position which i thought was really interesting um because i can't remember the last time he's played there um and again i'm just going based on what i saw on twitter so i found that really interesting i think the other thing that's very interesting is both rice and party started um and I don't know how how we set up. Was it was it sort of both of them holding, or was it one ahead of the other? Um, so that'll be good to talk about. I think it changed a bit. Like the bits I saw in the first half, Rice was definitely the more advanced. But then it was it was very it had an experimental midfield feel because you then had Smith Rowe, like Smith Rowe and Vieira doing their thing on the right. Like Vieira, I did think actually had a pretty good game. He looks a much better player on the right hand side of the pitch versus when he's come on on the left he looks a lot more comfortable he looks a lot more willing to like looks a lot more confident it looks like he's in his he knows the spaces he knows where he has to play whereas on the left he always looked a bit lost as to where he needed to stand um but yeah there were moments where rice was a further forward player and he had a, a decent chance where he could have scored um but then definitely in the second half he was in that parte role. Like I saw a few times he'd drop back, pick up the ball off center backs and then build the play up. And then there was a moment where Thomas party was quite far forward and, um, you know, was involved in some build up play where we probably could have scored. So it was, it was weird. I couldn't, there were moments where I definitely looked at those plays and they did look a bit like they weren't sure what was going on. Like it wasn't fluid. Right. And that was my main takeaway from this game is, you know, you saw the team that we put out pretty much every game, right last season they knew each other a lot like really really well they knew where they had to stand they knew where the other player was going to be they knew Xhaka knew where Odegaard was Xhaka knew where Partey was Partey knew where the centre-backs were and it was only when we took Saliba out of that lineup that a few things started to get a bit confused um but this still looks like a team that is yeah the the, the 11 that started definitely looked like a team that was not it's still a bit alien to each other. And as a result, the performance wasn't great. I was going to say, I mean, Community Shield on Sunday, I'm guessing, I, I, I think he's going to go very, very strong for that game, given it's City, given it's Wembley. Arteta probably looks at it. I know, so I'm not previewing the game now, but, you know, he probably looks at it as a trophy to win and to get one up on City and Pep as well. So I can imagine, you know, the the selection today there might have been a little there must have been a little bit of thinking or forward thinking ahead to the the game oh yeah because Saka didn't start Odegaard yeah. didn't start uh, Ben White didn't start Gabriel didn't start yeah. you'd assume those are like the first four names on the team sheet well you say this right so so, so three of the first names that you were saying I completely agree with in the sense that you know I think Odegaard Saka um, and you said and Gabriel for example those yeah. three I feel like will definitely Stop. You, you'd put them in your first team but, that, but, but I feel the rest of it is quite up for grabs at the moment like I wouldn't like your, your point is I agree I think that he will look at the community shield and want to win it and again we can get on to preview for that later but I think 
I, I can't, I, I'm not really sure what that 11 looks like. I'm not sure what he would say is his best lineup. I really don't, I don't know how he wants to structure it. I still don't really know what he sees with the midfield. And like, like you said, today we had Partey and Rice, but it still felt like it was very kind of experimental and it was a bit different in, in both halves. So I'm, I'm, I'm really personally kind of not, not sure at all. Yeah, um, I mean, the good thing is we're going to have this debate. We're going to have a lot to talk about on this podcast this season because yeah. every time we drop points, or hopefully we never do, but we will, let's be honest. And uh, every time that happens, there are going to be about six or seven good players on the bench that one of us is going to argue, oh, this player should have started. Like the reason we dropped points was because this player didn't start or he should have played this player. And we... We just need to get used to that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get a first 11, like you said. I think there are now enough players there that you think actually some of those alternatives are very good. Trossard being one of them, who we've said can come in. But if Trossard, you know, if Jesus was fit, Jesus probably would start. And you would probably argue that maybe we leave Trossard out. But then can you leave Trossard out after his good performances in preseason? Um, that's a big call, right? And the manager is going to have a lot of, like, He's going to have to learn something new this season, which is how do I rotate a squad of good players that actually I've built and I've asked for and I've pushed for to get in? Um, these are like largely his players now. Um, and, you know, previously there was a very, it was a very clear theme where he had his favorites and he had those players that just couldn't get a look in. Um, mm. He's got a team of like 18, 19 favorites now. Um, and, you know, he he's got to like he's got to use them. <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to be unhappy. And if we drop points, we're going to be unhappy that he's not using them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But you make a very good point. This is his group now. He's up. Uh, he's you know he, he's probably delighted with what he's got right now. What he's been able to assemble. There's very few that aren't his, and some of the some of the ones that aren't his are outstanding players like Martinelli and Saka. Um, Russ has got this comment here about I think we've been pretty mediocre this preseason. I, I think that one thing that has come under a lot of uh, not lot of, not a lot of criticism, but I think the fact that if you look at our, our kind of score lines, I mean, okay, today was just one all, but you know we conceded a few goals against Barcelona, we conceded a few goals, a couple of goals against Man United. One of the criticisms has been our defensive performances. Preseason, I still think, is really difficult both from an attacking and defensive standpoint, because you're trying so many combinations and stuff. But it, it's felt like the goals I've seen us conceding prior to today were very individual mistake kind of base type stuff. They weren't really system stuff. But today when I saw us in the first half, I wasn't really very, uh, I, I wasn't very assured watching us. It felt very haphazard. It felt like we were actually getting bodies behind but people just didn't really know their roles and there was a bit of kind of miscommunication mice do you think this is just a byproduct of preseason? do you think this is anything to uh, be concerned about or do you think the fact that if you look at last season this goes to what aaron was saying you look at last season you look you, you we played the same team all the time everyone knew exact everyone telepathically you knew and even though preseason is preseason, you try lots of stuff out. As we've been saying, we may actually see a lot of rotation this season. Does this give you any concerns about maybe the lack of um, kind of continuity and maybe the impacts that could have? 
not not massively to be honest like like you kind of just said you know preseason is the time that we need to try combinations try try the the other options that we've got across the squad not just in defense but you know every position um and that's the time you know now's the time to get it wrong if we're going to get it wrong or Arteta's going to discover something new or learn something new about you know a different center back pairing for example then now's the time to do it rather than when we kick off in the league in a, what just over a week's time so I'm not massively concerned to be honest and I think you know I think also there's this element of like you go back uh I don't know five years no maybe a bit more maybe 10 years and 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 before then you know we didn't really get this level of like insight into preseason right we weren't you know maybe preseason games were available on TV I don't know I can't remember but I remember when we had world class players you know in in that kind of Arsene Wenger era early Arsene Wenger era and you just see the scoreline at preseason you know you just see the result and Dennis Bergkamp scored four goals or something like you you know and that didn't really give you any indication when we'd to, like smash smash Barnet like 10 yeah like, Bora Wood and, like <laughs> we'd go to Germany or Austria wherever it was Austria I think it was so so and and that I'm not saying that does or doesn't have a knock-on effect on how we necessarily start the season or how the season goes I'm sure it does in terms of everything fitness and tactics and form and you know whatever but you know we're we as an Arsenal fan base and every kind of football fan base on social media and online is just analyzing every single thing, right? Like not just the matches, but it's like, you know, players that look injured on the bench and at, you know, are after the match, this player didn't look too happy because he didn't play enough minutes. Like it's just mental. So I kind of feel like, yeah, maybe there are, maybe there are a little, a few concerns, but at the same time, I feel like it's very easy to overanalyze stuff. Like, um, and I think, I think also like, if, with a manager like Arteta, yeah, there's definitely a question mark around his ability to change things up when, you know, in-game and in-between games or, f- you know, four different games of rotating and using the squad a bit more. But I think also, kind of like what I said, right, now's the time to try that. And, you know, his levels are so high, like in terms of his expectation levels and standards are so high. Like, I don't really have a massive concern in terms of like, you know, he's not brought in the wrong players. I don't have that concern. I don't have a concern that he's not going to find the right combinations before the season starts. I don't really have concern about the level of players that we have, you know, across the, the squad. Like overall, I'm, I'm very, very happy with the squad that we've built up, up to now. So, and I think you look at the, I mean, look, we're going to, again, I don't want to jump the gun. We're going to talk about David Raya, but you just look at this news that's come out this week and that tells you everything about kind of what Arteta's expectation are, expectations are in terms of every single position, every single player. Like no one would have, well, apart from Aaron, no one would have thought that, um, you know, Ramsdale needed any competition or we were going to even be looking at that position. And obviously that's not now not the case. So yeah, like I, I kind of feel like I'm now in a position where, or like in a mindset where I'm like ready now for the season to start. I feel like it's going to, it's going to feel like it starts on Sunday. We're obviously going to be there and, it, you know, like we're back and, Arsenal back, we're back in London, you know, well, I know we're back in London today, but do you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like we're properly back on Sunday. Um, so, so I, I, you know, I think pre-season's pre almost finished or is now finished pretty much. Um, get down to business and we're now going to start seeing, you know, what kind of proper teams is Arteta going to be selecting and, you know, who, what is his kind of favoured eleven? Who are the players that he's going to maybe switch around, rotate? And yeah, I don't, I don't think, I, don't, I, haven't, got, I haven't got massive concerns to be honest. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm pretty. Happy. I think the only thing I'd say to that is like we, you kind of touched upon this earlier, which is like yeah, we've got the downside of having so many good players is that you're going to have to rotate them, and then like how how long do they need to build up an understanding, right? So yeah, you're right. This is when you give them those games, but 
when you've got players like Timber, like uh, Kibi or Tierney, who might still stick around for a little bit, um, Zinchenko, uh, you know, Tomiyasu, all of these guys need to learn their positions. And look, we had a very set back four, yes, very set back four for most of last season. And that showed, right? So there's a trade-off now, right? Because you could play Zinchenko, Saliba, Gabriel, Ben White every game. He could, something, assuming they're fit. Um, there's nothing stopping them doing that. But the problem is then, you know, uh, or the likes of, uh, who am I forgetting now? Um, Timber and the other defenders won't really get a look in. And then they're going to come in when there's an injury and they'll look really rusty and I need three or four games to get, get fit. So like, how do you like, like, there's a risk right? that actually some of these mistakes continue because we're still bedding in some of these players. I, yeah. I mean, I kind of disagree in a way because I feel like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I agree that that is a, that is something that Arteta is going to have to work out, but I feel like the way he's probably going to approach it is I feel like he's going to have a fairly settled starting 11 for the first few games of the season because I think the first few games, you know, we've got the first three, three games are across three weeks or three weekends. So there's, there's time for players to recover. Like there's not really a need to rotate because of fatigue or anything like that. And I think kind of until the Champions League starts, which I don't even know when that is, I'm guessing at some point in September or something. I think of September or second. Yeah. And I I think that's when he'll then need to start worrying about rotation a bit more. I, I think it's an interesting one because we kind of don't really know. It's not just the it's not just the selection as well. It's also the system, and we we've talked about this right. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We had a very set system last season, but now you've got two world class CDMs, and is he going to pick one or the other and play the same system, or is he going to try and play both? And he obviously played both today. Like even that in itself is a question. I think there's loads of questions, but I think when it comes to the start of the season, I think he will know what he wants to do. You know how he wants to set up. I think he'll have a fair idea of maybe seven or eight players that he's going to be starting with. And there might be, you know, like Timber or White on the right, for example. And, you know, that that's maybe it. that's maybe one that he's unsure of at the moment. But I don't know, man. I think also, like, you know, you said, like, they've got to learn their positions and stuff. But, you know, like, these are these players now, pretty much the whole squad, like all of these players that we're kind of raving about and really excited about. One of the reasons that we're so excited is because they are ready to go players. These are not 20 21 year olds or whatever these are players that are now either premier league experience or massive signings or you know like you know some of these players have won trophies like i just feel like we've got players that are at the still relatively young but very very experienced so i kind of feel like there's enough there uh where they should they should be able to come in and perform in a certain role or a certain position without there being too much disruption I think that's why you build a squad in the way that we have, right? Yeah, I, I have a slightly different perspective on one of the things that you, you guys have been talking about when you're talking about rotation. Like I I don't actually think, aside from aside from League Cup and maybe to an extent FA Cup, I don't think he will be rotating for the sake of fitness and rotation in inverted commas. I think what he's done now and what he what he thinks he's assembled is a squad of loads of different ingredients that mean that on a game-to-game basis, he can just basically put the ingredients that he thinks is needed for that very specific game. And I think through that rotation happens. I think that's how he views it, right? So, for example, I don't know, you know, we we go into a weekend where 
um, we might he might genuinely think, you know what, I think a combination in our back four with Tommy Asu and Timber is a good, is the right combination this week. And next week, I actually think we should be playing White and Zinchenko, that sort of thing. It's not because of rotation. It's because I think he thinks these are these are all my ingredients and these are the cool things that I can do now. We've even seen in pre-season Timber, who we've been debating about whether he's going to play centre-back, is he going to play right-back? He's been playing left-back for a lot of pre-season. So, uh, yeah, I think he's got those sorts of ideas and I think therefore rotation will happen. It's an interesting point though you make, Mike, is that I, I'm undecided as to whether I think that he is looking at the first few games and thinking, I know what team I want to play for those first few games because it's the first few games and I want some kind of continuity or whether he'll go straight in with a, I believe in everyone and I think that I'm going to just do, for Nottingham Forest, this is what I need and for Palace, this is the different combination. I don't know how quick he, he'll do that, but I do think that's his idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through some of the comments before I think we should shift to the David Rea conversation. So, um, very quickly, I mean, Shani's been leaving a few comments here and Shani's saying that if we get 100 likes, might as well bring back his fantasy league. Well, you have brought a form of the fantasy league back, haven't you, in terms of the uh, Arsaholics FPL league, which are running. Yeah, so, you know, that that's there. Anyone who hasn't joined that league so far, please do. It's on our Twitter page, Instagram, etc. There's a £60 prize. It's free. So all, you, all you've got to do is pound, just sign. It'll get you Sorry, most of the shirt. It except for the sleeves, I think, because it doesn't quite cover the cost of a shirt. But yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure, don't have a co- exactly, don't have a couple of Starbucks and then you can afford long sleeves. And so, yeah, <laughs> you get get that. All you've got to do is is, is like, retreat, subscribe to, to the pod and, and enter the league. And, and there you go. So please do that. And again, I mean, Shani is with, with all the comments today. Again, what, you know, he's, he's buzzing clearly. Um, says, Good to have you guys back. When's the last time Arsenal had us so excited over a transfer window? Haven't been this gassed since we signed Ozil. It has felt that way. It's had that vibe, right? And I, I, for me, the main reason why it's had that vibe is not just because we've broken a you know British transfer record on Rice. It's because we basically entered the window and went bang, bang, bang. Like, let's just sign them. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys feel... Yeah, what, it feels like... It feels... It's so... Because we did it so early, we have... um I've almost calmed down now from it. <laughs> it feels like so long ago that we signed Rice was the last one, right? And then after Rice, like we've seen him play, he's played like three games now. Um, so yeah, like we've, we're so deep in it. Like that actually, you know, we've been recording for 34 minutes, haven't spoken about transfers yet. Um, whereas usually by this point, we're trying to like figure out who our first signing would be. So I think the club, deserves so much credit that actually we can talk about other things now about like how these players actually look like oh no we've got too many defenders what are we going to do with them all um (laughs) like before it's like oh no like we need a center back (laughs) right like we we let's not forget the poverty that we suffered (laughs) Um, the struggle was um, real yeah the struggle was very very real so um look i'm 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 really excited to see this team and now like just the fact that like our big our main and really only striker is out and we're like oh okay it's just a bit annoying really just shows how far we've come and just to add as well sorry to Raj I was going to say as well that the other massively exciting thing obviously the signings the money we've spent but we're acting like as a club we are acting like a, a big club a massive club you know like Aaron has said getting their business done early putting the money down buying players in the positions that we know we needed to strengthen in, buying ready-made players. You know, we're not spending 
trying to think of a good example we're not we're spending like 15 million on some random youngster that's going to come potentially come good in two or three seasons like these are guys that are going to play 20 30 40 50 games this season so yeah and and i think clearly the intention or the intent from the club and what they're basically saying is to everyone is we're going out to win the league this season or we're going to at least put in a even stronger challenge to city this season than we did last season so yeah same as shani man like super super excited i think gas is the right word buzzing for it Definitely. Um, Russ, obviously, again, regarding Jesus, we know that Arsenal say, when Arsenal say a few weeks for an injury, it's infinitely longer. That is true. We've become used to that. Let's just hope, let's just hope again, you know, just this is, this wasn't, this doesn't seem like it's something random that happened on the pitch that they're still trying to assess, like what happened to Saliba last season. This seems a bit more calculated, but look, you're right. I mean, we, we're we a bit worried, obviously. Let's just hope for the best with that. And, and finally, Shani, Shani's saying, I'd love to see Balogun given a run, but he's had, given he's had no preseason with us, can't see it happening. Do we see Trossard, Eddie, or Havertz being given the nod up front? Well, to the second question, Shani, I said, like, you know, you've been really active commenting. You've clearly not been listening to the podcast, right? <laughs> because we've been, we've been talking about that question. I was like, that was topic one, basically. But your first question is a very first point, should I say, is 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 pretty up. Let's let's should we just touch on that a little bit, boys, because it's this Balogun amorphous kind of situation that we find ourselves in where i think that pre-season like pre-pre-season if that makes sense us as an arsenal fan group were like balligan smashed it in france he's he's gonna like nail it he's like you know he's totally gonna usurp eddie as the um you know jesus number two then we hear all this stuff about he doesn't want to be a number two and okay fine whatever and now pre-season hasn't really been a great platform for Balogun. We hear rumours that there he's had a little bit of an injury. Um, I don't know how much that's true, but what we do know is true is that he's been training on his own a lot and he didn't have any game time yesterday. Uh, sorry, game time today. So the rumours are that we are willing to accept offers. It sounds like he's up for leaving. The latest, the latest rumour was Inter Milan were really kind of you know hoping to go for him but for a for a kind of 30 million 30 to 40 million range and, and that's not good enough for us so they've walked away and they are apparently looking at Scamacha from uh West Ham who West Ham are apparently now looking at Balogun and who know I mean they've got loads of money so we should ask for like 80 <laughs> did you um did you hear what Arteta said about Balogun today really he said something like the situation hasn't changed or something like yeah, that so the plan with Flo doesn't change at all but unfortunately with Gabby we are not going to have him yeah, the we first other options. Really we, they said we have other options to play with different qualities of players, so we will adapt, which doesn't sound good to me. What, as in, as in, you think that Balogun's off? I think, unfortunately, yeah. Which is a shame. I think it's a shame. I think he's only off if the money, if the right number comes in. I don't think we're gonna, we're not gonna be, we're not gonna get mugged off in terms of a transfer fee. Yeah, and we better not, mate. Because this is ridiculous. Yeah. Let's think about what. Let's think about the order of events here. Yeah. He signed a new contract, a long contract. I think it's like a five-year deal or something, wasn't it? Like he signed yeah, last that season, like right? last season, right? So clearly, from our perspective, we're like, well, if we're selling him, we're protecting protecting value. He's had as good a season as you could have hoped on loan, yeah. And now we've just seen in this window, Rasmus Hoyland is going to Man United for what looks, I don't know, like seventy to eighty million, like with add-ons or whatever. You know, he scored nine goals last year. 
in you know for Atlanta in, in Serie A in career goals like it's not that many. I mean, I put it this way: I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that Balogun is a better player. I, I don't know much about Hoyland to be honest. And I'm not so I'm not going to get into that necessarily. But what I will say is if that guy's seventy to eighty million, I don't think we're going to be accepting thirty million quid for Balogun. That sounds mental. Why would you do that? Like, but do you yeah. not think the best way to get a market for him is to play him? Like why? I mean, he's he's always. Do you need to at this point? He had a whole season on loan somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I know, but I just feel like if. But then there is every chance the money doesn't come in, right? And and then you have a player who is not happy because he hasn't played. He isn't. He's not match fit. If we need to play him, and what what do we do with him? Yeah, but then I think on the flip side, mate, if we ended up playing him. And then it, and then Hazus has got injured. Now we play Balogun. I think a lot of people will be saying, "Why the hell are we playing Balogun if we know he's going to leave? We need yeah. to be tested. We need to be getting Eddie up to speed. We need to be getting Eddie in with the goals or play Havertz through whatever you know. Try the options that we're actually going to be playing. So you know, you could look at it either way, really. I would have I, thought I, today would have been if he's. I don't know if he's injured still because I think he was injured for the last game, or the, at least the one before that. Definitely, I, I don't think um, so. I, I, as in, I think he's just being. He's, that, you think he's he just cut him out? But why? That like that's just harsh, right? But do you think that it's 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 not it's not even a harsh thing? Do you think it's a case where they've genuinely believed a transfer's on the card, and the player himself and the club themselves don't want him getting injured, so they don't want to put him in the normal kind of in normal training because they yeah, feel it's that close. Yeah, I've heard I've heard rumors that he was training separately. Then he was Arteta definitely said he was injured for one of those games. And then okay. he said he needs to get fit. But I think that was two games ago. Uh, it seems something has happened. Like the only thing I can think of is he's got an attitude problem or like, you know, the whole, like he's come in and said like, Oh, I'm only going to stay if I start or like, he seems to expect a lot more. And I don't think Arteta really has time or interest for that. I think he is very much like if you, if you want to come here, you fight for your place and you know your order. Whereas you look at Eddie, right? Eddie is Eddie has no guaranteed minutes this season. But I think Arteta likes him because he knows that he has to fight for his minutes. And he knows that he might get a run in the team and then he might drop out again and then he might back again for two games. He might get a game in a cup. I don't think Balogun is... I'm guessing it might be that Balogun is just not... doesn't want that life. And that's okay. Like He might just want to go mm. somewhere and play. Because you can't deny him that opportunity. He just says, I want to drop down a level. I just want to play. But, you know, any player at a big club, now that we're acting like a big club and we're signing like a big club, it just means that no player, unless you're a, like a generational talent like Saka, gets guaranteed minutes in this team. Yeah, and we also have to accept we have to sell players. And it can't just be players that are going to go for like 2 million or 3 million, like, we're going to have to start selling players for some serious money. And um, and so someone's got to go. Uh, look, I'm sure we, we, we'll, we can cover Balogun more when something does happen and when and, and when we can figure things out. Let's, in the interest of time, talk about this massive rumour about David Rea. So, you know, I will hand the mic over to the man who deserves the mic shortly, Aaron, on this, <laughs> uh, for sure. But let's just kind of, again, go through a chronology here. So the other day, so so it's, Actually, let's go back some weeks. Some weeks when it became very clear that uh, Hugo Lloris was going to be out of Tottenham, it seemed like Tottenham really wanted David Rea and Brentford were basically saying, no, we want 40 million. 
and Tottenham were saying, no, we're not going to pay 40 million. So that kind of went quiet. Then all of a sudden, Bayern Munich seemed like they were interested in David Rea, and then it, it, it that seemed like it could happen. But then the, the, the rumour was it was a loan, a loan with a potential option to buy and whatever. And then all of a sudden, the other day, very randomly, Arsenal were interested. And that kind of very quickly spiralled to a Arsenal very more than interested. They are negotiating with Brentford and the player is keen. And now I think today they basically said David Rea has agreed terms with Arsenal and they are just um, agreeing uh, a fee. We know that he is clearly going to be off somewhere because he didn't play in Brentford's game, I think, yesterday or the day before. And they asked Thomas Frank about it. Thomas Frank was basically like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, basically said, words, if it's going to be sold and I hope we get 40 million for him because I think that that's the right kind of prayer. And he started citing the amount of money that Declan Rice went for and all this kind of stuff. So clearly something's happening. I suppose things to remember here, he is in his final year of his contract, so there is that to consider. And from an Arsenal perspective, he is someone that we have allegedly kind of been keeping an eye on for a while. Inaki Kana, the goalkeeper coach, has been his goalkeeper coach way back when. They have a good relationship. Um, and so that could happen. Aaron, let me pass over to you. You were the one who said that you thought that there was a chance that Arsenal were going to do this we're, we're gonna go I don't, okay to be fair let's, yeah go i didn't say i didn't say we would go for david raya like, no 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 you said we're gonna go for golf myers and i yeah thought that was like you like you do happen. normally you laugh yeah, at me. I mean, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean yeah we we logically yeah i could not see any logic in, in why we would have made this a priority this year absolutely not nothing um but it's happening tell me how do you feel what do you think is going on what okay. what what's happening here i don't actually think what I thought would happen is actually happening, right? So what, what I thought would happen is I think we'd look at the squad and we would be like, we need an upgrade on Turner. Let's go and find another goalkeeper because ultimately is Matt Turner going to be a good, like a long, a long-term number two. You guys said, yes, I said, oh, I think he's okay. I think he's a decent keeper, but if Ramsdale gets injured for anything more than like two or three games, there is a big, big drop off, right? And I think naturally, as as we grow in the squad, you look at like you know, what you can do is you have that first eleven. I know we don't really have a first eleven. You have a first eleven, and then you look at the next player that comes in for all of those positions and what the drop off is, right? And slowly, we've been removing like a a key person risk in every single position, right? For so long, we were so worried about Thomas Partey. What if Thomas Partey gets injured? We're screwed. We go and sign Declan Rice. Uh, we still have that with Saka, but I think every almost every other position now, you can kind of say there's someone else who come in and you won't be worried if that player in the first 11 is out for like four or five games. I don't think you can say that with Turner. Um, but what I think has happened is... We are simply just reacting to an opportunity. I think what's happened is we probably expected Raya to go to Tottenham. All of a sudden, in my opinion, one of the top three or four goalkeepers in the Premier League has become available for what might be 20. I think the fee is important. I think it, I don't think we do it at 40 million, but if there's a chance we can do it at 20 million, 25 million, um, I think we are like actually we have an opportunity now to actually address that key person risk. And yeah, like some people say Ramsdale hasn't been great. I, I disagree with that. I really like, I think Ramsdale was excellent last season. Um, and I think we've just said like, we have an opportunity now to go, because there aren't actually that many good goalkeepers out there anymore. Like you look at the Premier League, 
you look at the first goal, first team goalkeepers of the top 20 clubs, how many of them would you really take at Arsenal? Like, like Raya is probably one of three or four goalkeepers you take at Arsenal. Um, and I think it's just as simple as that. We've seen a good goalkeeper possibly come up and we're going to see if we can make the numbers work. Now, I think a lot of that depends on a who we can sell, and maybe Balog- That's where the Balogun question comes in. Like, actually, we might need to sell Balogun, and we need those fees to invest in a goalkeeper. What we get for Turner, it sounds like Forrester possibly interested, or we're talking to Forrest about a permanent deal. If we can get decent money for Turner, then actually, it works. I don't. I actually don't see it happening. I, th- I don't think we'll get. I don't think we'll get the money. I think for whatever reason, Brentford will want too much money. And we won't be able to make it work. But no, I can see. Like, I don't think you guys would disagree, but he is clearly an upgrade as a second goalkeeper, and possibly even a even a first. So, do you just just to finish before I go to Mike? So, do you is that your stance that you firmly believe he's coming in? If he, we were to sign him, he's coming in as a second goalkeeper. Oh, I think so. I look. I think he's an out, he's an outstanding goalkeeper. Personally, I still think Ramsdale is better. Now, if you look at the statistics, uh, like all these statistical accounts will tell you the opposite. Like David Rea is statistically an excellent goalkeeper, and Ramsdale is statistically apparently not a great goalkeeper. Um, but I look at what I see, what I saw last season. I don't think he made very, very few mistakes. Yeah, he got beaten at his post like once or twice, but there are so many times where I'm like, Ramsdale saved us in that game. Um, and I think I've, I've had no issues with Ramsdale for it, personally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you, when you, you your point about stats is an interesting one, right? Because then you, you, if you think about some of the Ramsdale saves last season, there was the there was the save that he made when we were already one nil down to Bournemouth, and you know it was that it was it was it was a dead dead set goal that he saved. You think about the saves that he made against Liverpool, you know, in the draw, and those saves statistically just count as one each, and they are the same as a very yeah. basic save someone makes. So I, I I completely get where you're coming from. My, what's your take on this situation, mate? You know, someone as surprised as I, I was about this, uh, about assigning a, another goalkeeper. What's your take? Can, do you, do you see this as Raya coming in as a as a backup with who potentially yeah could compete with Ramsdale, or do you see it as being more of even Stevens than that? Yeah, I mean, look, I was just as surprised as probably everyone else um, when that news broke. But the more I think the more you start to think about it, the more um, the more happy I was uh, in just in terms of kind of we touched on it before, right? But just in terms of where Arteta, like what we think is elite level or, or in terms of us as fans, maybe because we've been used to some some serious dross over the last kind of 10 or 15 years. But, you know, the standards that, we hit last season or the levels that we hit last season, we thought bloody hell, like Arsenal were kind of back, but still not, still not quite there, you know, still quite a fair bit, still quite early in the Arteta's project. But I think Arteta's looking at it as we're getting better, but there's still a long way to go. And I'm identifying the areas that I want to improve on. And I love Ramsdale. I, I, I'm with Aaron as well. Like, I think he's been, a fa- I think he's been fantastic. I think ever since he took the shirt off Leno, 
uh, a couple of seasons ago. He's just gone from strength to strength and he is a massive part of why we've been successful. I, I know we haven't been successful, but you know why we've kind of improved as much as we have and why we were able to finish second in the league last season. But I also feel like there might be, I don't know, just sort of speculating, there might be an element of kind of like where Arteta is looking at standards and levels and you know he's a pep disciple as it were and you know he might just have looked at Arteta in the running I know he was still really good and he still makes you know world-class saves but there were a few dodgy moments there were a couple of goals that he conceded like and moments for example like the Southampton the start was it Southampton at home where we went one nil down within the first like 20 or 30 seconds and I think that came from a pretty bad pass out from Ramsdale and he might just be looking at it not to say oh, I need to change my keeper. But more to say, more more from the angle of, if I, well, I need a, I need a better second keeper, which is what Aaron and kind of alluded to in the last episode. But also, do I just need the level, do I just need to bring the level up basically? Do I need someone in the squad that's going to push Ramsdale? Because Turner's not doing that. I think Ramsdale knows, as long as it's uh, Matt Turner as number two, Ramsdale knows he's starting basically every important game, every league game. I think if you've got Raya as second keeper or what, you know, you've got Ramsdale and Raya as your two keepers, you know, it's a flip of a coin pretty much. It might come down to form. It might come down to, I don't know, fitness. It could come down to a couple of different reasons, but in terms of quality, it's very, very tight between the two of them. And I think then you start looking at each in, in that position, each player is pushing the other one to become better, to perform at a higher level, you know, to make less mistakes. And, 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 and I think that just breeds bringing in a player like Raya breeds just that level of, you know, the level goes up basically. Uh, it breeds competition throughout the squad. I think you, if you're a, I don't know, if you're a, if you're a Gabriel, for example, and you think your, your position is fairly secure at center back, but then you look at Ramsdale and you probably say the same, but then Arteta's bringing in, a, a, you know, another very good Premier League goalkeeper players like Gabriel, for example, probably thinking, oh shit, like maybe my place isn't as secure. So I kind of, I feel like maybe that's where it's coming from in terms of what Arteta's looking at. Um, I know it's a bit weird to do that at goalkeeper in the goalkeeper position. Um, mm. But I'm, like, the stats thing is really interesting as well, because I, I think like there's, there's obviously been a lot of pieces that have gone out since this news came out. And yeah, statistically, um, if you look at just the st statistics, Raya like shits all over Ramsdale, but obviously that's not the case. Because I think even when you look at like they've ranked goalkeepers according to a number of different statistics, you know, not just saves, but you know, across the board distribution, um, you know, aerially, um, expected goals against versus actual goals against all of the, all of the, you know, various metrics. I think Edison comes really far down. Now, obviously that probably is because of the team that he plays in more than anything else. But one of the interesting kind of statistical areas is, um, Raya's distribution. So Ramsdale, we know like because of what well, the type of keeper that he is, but the reason that he came in ahead of Leno, one of the main reasons was, you know, his short distribution, his ability to play, to the centre-backs and to the full-backs and then for it to come back and for the ball to be basically played across the keeper in the back four or back three, you know, that he he's fantastic at that. Obviously, it goes wrong sometimes, but he's generally fantastic at that. I think when you look at Reyes' distribution, he's pretty good at that, but he's also very good at going kind of to the middle of the pitch and further down the pitch. So there might be something there as well that Arteta's maybe looking at. It could be linked to bringing in players like Rice and Havertz where you want to get the ball into Rice as quickly as possible 
you want to get the ball up to Havertz being a very tall player, meant to be very good in the air. I don't know. Maybe there's something there um, tactically that Arteta's looking at and he thinks there's maybe an improvement to be made. But I think the other interesting thing as well is, you know, Ramsdale's what, 20, 25, I think, is he? Around that kind of age. Reyes, 27. So this isn't really like, you know, whichever keeper, if, if, if he were to come in, for example, I don't think there's, there's, I don't, I don't know. I feel like we always like as Arsenal fans, or maybe it's just football fans. I don't know. We, it's like, oh, who's going to be number one and who's he going to play and why are we bringing him in? But I, I feel like given their ages, it, 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 it's almost like it does, does it really like, does it really matter to us? I know it's something for us to talk about, of course, but you know, it, it it's not, it's not, it's definitely, I don't look at it as a bad thing, basically. Like even as much as I love Ramsdale, I just look at, I look at the positives and I look at, like I said before, it's hopefully, if it does happen, it's hopefully a kind of like a, a, a almost like a trigger or it's, it's something that's going to push Ramsdale just to become even better uh, more than anything else. And yeah, if you, if we've got those two as our goalkeeper options, I mean, that the two best options and that's the two best goalkeepers, sorry, as a pair that in the league, you know, because um, when you look at number twos across the Premier League, there's not, you know, generally they're players that, yeah, obviously only play a couple of games a season, but they're, you know, you wouldn't, we probably wouldn't be able to name the number twos for most, most clubs. So, um, it's quite an exciting potential signing, actually. I'm, I am quite intrigued by it. And yeah, it would be very, very interesting if it does happen. Why do you, do you think, so, you know, in Shani, in his comments, for example, he, he's he's really agreeing with you. And I think he is sort of saying some stuff that I think it, it, many Arsenal fans would echo, would echo here. You know, he's saying, agree with Myers, this is a proper club move, as in proper in inverted commas move, uh, strengthening an area of strength. Uh, La Pep having the best defence and an abundance of centre-backs spunking 100 million on Guardiola to raise a bar again. So, yeah, um, th- agree with that sentiment. I suppose the, the challenge I'd say to the both of you is, why isn't it something that the bigger clubs tend to do, though? So, yes, City have done it with Guardiola and defenders. Um, another, another club, I completely agree, you know, you, uh, all the top clubs seem to have great competition for Blazers. But goalkeeper is a, is a position where that's not really happened. So Barcelona did it for a while where they've had where they had two goalkeepers. And it was very much a cup goalkeeper and a, a league goalkeeper, and they were both good goalkeepers. But if you look at England, that's not really happened. So City haven't done that. They've got Ortega, who is actually quite good, but I think they have a very, very clear number one. And then you've got Alisson, who is a very clear number one at, at Liverpool, Man United got themselves in a kind of funny situation where yes, it was it was kind of you know a clear clear De Gea was number one even though Henderson had a a big big very big wage but yeah you know he was on loan at Forest and all the rest of it for a bit anyway anyway point is Chelsea were the only ones where you could probably point out and go well at one point you had Kepper and Mendy but really that was because they thought Kepper was rubbish and they wanted to get a better goalkeeper and then Mendy came in and then with the managerial changes they've like kind of flip flop so I guess the point is none of the big clubs have really done this. So why do you think it is that they haven't done this? And why do you therefore think that, and do you think therefore that um, that there is a risk here that we perhaps are not, um, I suppose, like recognising enough, which is that maybe the goalkeeper position is one of those where you do need that stability and where you don't really want uncertainty and where if a goalkeeper makes a couple of mistakes, you kind of want to have faith with them and, and and not chop and change. I mean, what what, what do you think, Mars? Why do you think that is that other clubs haven't done it? I mean, I I guess the main reason other clubs don't do it is because 
if you, I mean, there's probably a number of reasons, but I guess one is you probably don't want to be dropping 20, 30, 40 million pounds on a player that is not going to be playing uh, more than, I don't know, even if they play all the cup games, maybe 10 games a season, that sort of number. Um, and obviously a player probably on fairly high wages as well. Uh, so that could be one, one, I think that's probably one of the main reasons, right? Um, and I think it's also quite difficult to bring in a player probably at their peak or, you know, maybe close to their peak and saying to them, you know, you're definitely going to be number two to Alisson. You're definitely going to be number two to Edison. You're definitely going to be number two to De Gea, for example. But, you know, uh, come and spend the next three years on the bench for us. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. a chance you might play. There's probably, you know, I guess there's you know a number of factors. I think this, it's, this is the thing. It's, this is the really intriguing thing about Arteta. I mean, if you think, what, a year ago, we had Kieran Tierney at left back and nobody really predicted that we were going to be signing a completely different left back in terms of, you know, especially not one from Man City, right? Spending a lot of money and changing our system or, you know, implementing a new system that involved this left back basically playing central midfield. And that obviously happened with Zinchenko. So who knows, man? Like maybe Arteta's got something up his sleeve that none of us really know what what that is uh, and none of us can really predict it. And I guess if you're David Ray as well, like like Aaron has said, maybe an opportunity's come up where there's you know there's a, there's an opening there to get him. And if you're David Raya, would you? I don't know. Like obviously, they've now replaced him as at number one at, uh, at Brentwood, Brentford, not Brentwood. Um, <laughs> and um, so he knows that he's not going to be starting there. Would you rather? You know, I, I know he's look. You know, he's. I'm sure he's open to moving somewhere where he's going to play. But if you think about if Arteta's maybe saying to him, look, you know, you come in, I'm going to give you the cup games, maybe saying I'll give you the Champions League games, you'd probably, and you're probably going to be on a decent, decent wage and you'll have a chance of, you know, a chance of dislodging Ramsdale's number one. I think that's a challenge that he probably takes, you know, mm-hmm. and you go into it, you go to a team that's hopefully going to be challenging for the title. You know, I think there's a few, a fair few reasons why it's not that difficult to convince a player like David Rea as well. Um, yeah, but I, I wonder if it's maybe just like an Arteta kind of like no one really knows what to expect and Arteta's got something up his sleeve. Um, maybe Ramsdale's place is at risk. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, agree. agree. And and maybe one closing comment from me is that I, although the sort of challenge I, I gave to it, I actually sort of do agree with this notion that he's doing it for sort of competition in order to raise the bar for both of them. Because I think that the difference with Arsenal and some of those other clubs is we've kind of created this very family-like atmosphere, which is great, which is fantastic. But the family-like atmosphere, the love, the unity, it only really works in a kind of, in terms of getting great things happening on the pitch. You need to balance it out by having players know that, okay, crap, but there's still another guy who is going to take my place if I'm not awesome. Yeah. So like, you know, I love you all on that, but like, you know, hang on. <laughs> I need to. I need to keep my place in the team. Ramsdale doesn't have that. Everyone else does. So I, I, I do. I do agree with that kind of mice. Where, where this, you can keep the culture. You can keep the fun culture. It's like everyone loves each other and we're all hugging. But Ramsdale knows if he's not brilliant, then David Rea will take his place, and vice versa. Uh, so yeah, look, I, 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 I kind of, I'm intrigued to see how it goes if we do sign him. Um, yeah. The only um, thing I'd say, remember, yeah, is keep in mind this guy four or five weeks ago was faced with the very terrifying 
possibility that he could be going to Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, so there's probably scars and emotional. And now he's like, yeah. all of a sudden Arsenal, and he's like, fuck that, I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he's pressing for a move. Do you I, know what why I mean? didn't he sign like, for Tottenham? What was the reason? I think Spurs couldn't. Brentford asked for 40 million, and Spurs were like, no, and they signed that guy from Empoli. I can't remember. Oh, uh, they've signed. Yeah, yeah, signed. yeah. I mean, it, we're probably in quite a good position of strength here because we don't need him, right? No. And the longer it go, drag, drags on for Brent. Third, I keep saying it wrong. Um, the longer it drags on for Brentford, uh, you know, that uh, you'd like to think they're going to have to lower their asking price. And maybe that's the only sticking point. It sounds like, you know, we're not, I can't see us dropping 40 million. And I think Aaron is right. You know, maybe closer to 25 around that kind of number might be just a more realistic number. And maybe we're just going to bide our time and see what happens later on in the window. I think it all depends on what is our pitch, right? Because the other players that we've signed, it sounds like we were in for them for a while. Like it was very clear that we'd worked on Declan Rice for a while. Uh, Timber, I assume uh, something very similar. Habits was again, something it sounds like we've been talking to him for at least a reasonable amount of time before the deal took place. Right. I don't think we were talking to David Rea last January about him coming to Arsenal. Right. Um, so it's it's like what is what are we selling him? What is the dream we're selling him? And obviously, if we've managed to agree contract terms with him, if you believe the rumors, then whatever we've sold him is has worked, right? Yeah, apparently, he was on twenty five k a week, so he could easily come. I'm not saying he's made like he's moving for the money, but you know, you could say, look, you can triple your wage, put him on seventy five k a week, um, play Champions League games, play cup games, play League Cup games, and then if Ramsdale gets injured. You get a run in the cup. We'll do it the other way around. He plays the league. Ramsdale plays in the Champions League. Whatever, and and yeah, it is it is tricky. I don't. I'm not a fan of this league keeper, cup keeper thing. Personally, I just find it a bit weird. But yeah, I think Pep Pep does it right. Pep Pep did it Most at Barcelona top teams as well. Do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and look, if one of them does get injured, we're not going to have to worry. And that's that for me is the big thing. Yeah, I also, I also wonder. Like I, I was watching the I was watching the Peter Crouch documentary yesterday. Do you, you guys have seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and one of the interesting things I, I I thought there, you know, when he was kind of going through the chronology of his career, he's sort of talking about all the moves that he's made and how it very clearly, if Harry Redknapp ever came calling, he just went right because it was this feeling that this guy knows how to get the best out of me. He gets me and I feel really comfortable playing for him and I feel really confident playing for him. So there was that kind of gravitation towards Harry Redknapp, regardless of what the competition was and, you know, all the rest of it. I wonder with David Rea, if he really trusts that goalkeeping coach, it sounds like they've got a great relationship and he's gone, you know, that guy knows me, he gets me, he gets my game. And if he has recommended me to Arteta, there's got to be something there. Like there's got to be something. There's a very, very good chance of this guy getting the best out of me. And if he gets the best out of me, then I can maybe become number one. So it's interesting. Let, let's see how that pans out. Interest of time, guys. Let us preview very briefly the this, the huge, amazing English Super Cup or whatever, you know, the other countries call it. It's the Community Shield, which, look, it's supposed to be a, t a game between the two best teams in the country. You know, usually it's the winner of the Premier League versus the winner of the FA Cup. But given Man City are just amazing, it's it's us, uh, the second place team against Man City, the first place team in the league. So the curtain raiser, 
we haven't played in it for a couple of seasons, but I think the last time we played in it, we won. Uh, I think we beat Man City, didn't we? It was Man City that we beat, I think I want to say. Or was it Liverpool? I can't remember now. Um, I can't remember. It was one of those two. It was kind of, yeah. So we won the FA Cup and then, then we won the Charity Shield, uh, Community Shield, whichever one it's called these days. But anyway, here we are returning to Wembley. The three of us are going and we're all very excited. Aaron, talk to me. What are you What are you looking forward to seeing on this Community Shield? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing a competitive team for the first time in preseason because I think very clearly pre like, I don't pay a lot of attention to preseason normally um, because what usually happens is we chop and change the team so much it's it's not really that the result and the scoreline you don't really read much into it because you're played like two different teams the opposition changes seven or eight players we change seven or eight players uh you know might score three goals in the last minute last five minutes but it doesn't really matter because it's not real a real reflection of like what is to come but i think with this game it will be you know as it's like a it's like a friendly plus in the sense that you know it's a it's a trophy for win it but if we lose it it's a friendly so um and it's one of those where like yeah i think we can we should we will want to win it and if we like we've got nothing to lose like if we if we don't like no one really cares what happens either way we won't read too much into it i think obviously if we get smashed 5-0 probably be a bit concerned but actually what we do have is a real opportunity to show that we can compete and that last season wasn't just a a one-off and that actually city do need to be worried um I don't think even if we win, we'll read too much into it in terms of what what it will mean for the season. But I'm just looking forward to seeing the team play a competitive game at a competitive level. And actually, when you see players in that environment, they tend to raise their game. So I'm looking forward. Like I really hope Declan Rice starts and we can see him on the pitch, at, you know, in a semi-competitive game against top opposition, and just see how he does at this level. Um, seeing i'm hoping zinchenko's back seeing how he goes i would have loved to have seen jesus today but i mean on sunday but he's not going to be there and then just seeing like Saka on the pitch playing it with odegaard um and just seeing a very strong team hopefully go up against a very strong city team i am a bit worried about the defense i think it might be a bit of a test because you know you're going from i think what's it called monica had ben yedder up front today to uh erling harland which is going to be interesting. A very but, different no, composition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be um, should be fun. I hope I hope it doesn't rain on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who don't live in the UK, we are experiencing one of the worst Julys ever. It is awful. It, you just, I mean, this week's been awful. It's just been raining kind of every day. Today just was was just miserable. And and I think that the rest of, um, well, sorry, it's, it's actually August now. Isn't it? Sorry, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, no, we haven't been going through a, a nice period. So yeah, hopefully it's nice on Sunday. I don't know what the forecast is, but um, Mike, tell me what, what do you think? Because as Aaron says, it's uh, facing Holland's a very different proposition to you know what we've had in recent games, and our defense hasn't looked great. We have been conceding goals. Um, do you do you have any concerns about this this weekend, or do you, do you have any? Do you have a pretty? Why don't we go? Why don't we lead with your prediction, and we'll go back to Aaron and myself for our predictions. Why don't you tell me what you think is going to happen? Um, 
yeah, I mean, I think Aaron and just in terms of thoughts on the game and what it means, I think Aaron and summed it up really well. And I'd probably agree with everything you said. I think it's one of those games where if you if you win it, it's fantastic. It's nice. It's kind of like a trophy, but not really a trophy. And if if you lose it, um, doesn't really make a difference, does it? Um, I think the main thing is for from our perspective, from our point of view, is making sure we're ready for that first game of the season. Um, a week later, making sure that you know, we have as many players kind of ready um, in terms of fitness and yeah, just, just ready to go um, for that first game of the season. It will be interesting to see the defense point. Like when you think back to when we last played city, it was Rob holding who, you know, got absolutely um, pulled apart by, by Harland and De Bruyne um, and everyone else. So I, I guess, you know, it's not going to be like, it's going to be, it should be more positive than than what happened at the Etihad like a, a couple of months ago. So I'm kind of not too, I'm not too worried. I'm just more, I'm not worried about what Haaland's going to do because if Haaland goes and does what he does, he just, he's, he's going to go and do what he's done all of last season to basically every single team in the league. So I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm going to be super disappointed if Haaland goes and scores a couple of goals because that's kind of his part and that's what's expected. I think what's just going to be really interesting for me is, yeah, how we set up, who plays, um, who starts, um, you know, players like Havertz, where does he play? Does he play? Who plays through the middle? Who's going to play right back? You know, I think these are all really interesting kind of decisions for Arteta to make. So that's, that's what I'm kind of most looking forward to. And I think for me, to be honest, mate, it's like for, for the three of us and Nero, um, you know, it's a, it's a day out at Wembley, isn't it really? That's what we're probably all looking forward to, um, getting up there early and, getting on the beers and just enjoying hopefully a, a nice day in the sun and hopefully it'll be a win. I, I think, um, I reckon it might be a draw. Um, I, yeah, I think I, I can, you know, I think we'll compete. I think we'll compete. I can see it being like a score draw. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go two, two, and I have no idea if it goes extra time or not. Um, so because I don't know, I'm going to say we win it on penalties. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go two, two and then ask to win hmm. on penalties. Make it, hopefully it makes it a bit more fun for us all. So I do my prediction, Aaron. I um yeah, go ahead. I think that uh I think we'll lose, but I don't think I don't like I think we'll lose like two one and I, I don't think that it will mean anything. I don't think we're gonna lose two one and then that will make me uh, and that will make me anxious against Nottingham Forest. I don't think that. I think that it there's an argument to say that Man City were probably going to be on a massive come down after, you know, the amazingness of last season and they've lost a few players. And and I don't think the other interesting thing is I don't think any of the big teams have had particularly good pre-seasons. Like I don't think there's been a big club any of the big clubs that have like basically just steamrolled all of their preseason games. And I'm pretty sure Man City lost at least one recently. Um, so I don't really know what the I haven't really been keeping enough tabs on them. I don't really know what the vibe is. Um and you know, if if Pep looks like he's doing anything different or whatever, so on one hand, I think okay, you know, it could actually be a good opportunity for Arsenal. But then the other, I I can imagine it being a game where both teams are a little bit disjointed. Um, both teams aren't playing like their greatest football, uh, and I can see us being a little bit wasteful. And I can see maybe Man City putting putting a couple away. Maybe like we we have another defensive error, and, and that's not. Yeah, that's partly because again, we might still be trying a couple of things out and um look so look in, in short in summary i think we'll lose 2-1 um but 
but I don't think it's going to be like a battering or anything. I, I actually, I should worry it'll be a relatively boring game. Um, Aaron, what about you? Uh, I think, I think it might be the opposite. I think it might be just a very sloppy from a defensive point of view type of game. And maybe it's just uh, like both teams are just not fully ready yet. I don't know if City will have completed the, uh, I can't say, is it got Gabidol, Guardiol? Yeah, Guardiol deal. Um, So I don't think he'll be in the the team, but I think, you know, City rotate. They always, they always tend to start seasons a bit, just a bit more sloppy and they always come into, you know, they, they optimize for getting their best 11 out in like February onwards, right? Where they peak. Uh, so I think I think we'll win. I think we'll win three two, um, because I think it will just be one of those where we we take our chances. Haaland will get one or two, but we'll get one more or something like that. So three two to the Arsenal. Very nice. It's a proper spread. So um, yeah, let's yeah. see how it goes. I mean, uh, yeah, like let, let let let's see. Fun day anyway. And just before I close, you, there have been loads. Like, thank you guys for the comments. There have been lots of people commenting. Really appreciate. It. Charles has just Charles Cherryan um, has just come in with a, a couple of a couple of comments, and I think we've addressed a lot of this, Charles, on, on the episode. So, um, but just to recap, you know, this question from you here is: Do you see a gelling issue or bedding in issues in the team between midfield and defence? And I think we talked about it a little bit and I, I think we've kind of got varied opinions on it but I think that you know one of the concluding points is we are a team of very good players now like even the new players that have come in they you know as Mize was sort of alluding to these are these are these are top players so hopefully this this kind of transition those kind of that that gelling stuff you know, it shouldn't be as if we are kind of you'd rather be in our situation for example than being a Chelsea situation where you've got a new manager as well you now we've got a manager who's got an identity and you know has been really, really embedding this in through the um, kind of the DNA of the squad. And then we've got, um, you know, another comment from Charles around the mental block versus City, um, you know, given the, the defeats that we had last season against them. And you're right, you know, Charles here saying we got three defeats from them last season, but with various personnel changes. It's true. We did get three defeats, didn't we? We, we lost twice in the league and we lost in the uh, FA Cup, right? It was FA Cup as opposed to League Cup, right? FA Cup, it was, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Um, so it is three. That was unfortunate. Uh, but but you're right, Charles, there. You know, you know, apart from Jesus, who you've listed there, and Jesus is injured, I think, and I'm not sure with Zinchenko, if he's still kind of carrying something. Did, did Zinchenko play any minutes today? No, he didn't. No, he did, right. Apparently, uh, unconfirmed rumours that his partner had a baby today. Uh, uh, so yeah. he was his previously injured. But it might be baby related. But he's not played like any preseason, right? He has, so no, he's been he's been injured previously. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. Yeah. So and and finally closing off, Shani, you know, I feel like you we should pay you some commission here, mate. So so Shani <laughs> is saying, remind all these freeloaders to drop a like. It doesn't cost anything to exercise those sums. So thank you, mate. Thank you for saying that. Because yeah, it's true. Please, everyone, could you like the podcast, um, like this episode, can you share, can you subscribe? It is super helpful for us to, for, for so many reasons, it's really helpful if you do that, partly just because, you know, we know we're going in a, in a positive direction, people like listening to us, and um, but also just to, you know, spread the love and, and, and get exposed to other people. Because what is really fun, and, you know, 
we've, I think we've mentioned it before, but, but although we aren't a, an incredibly big po- podcast, what's really fun is when we see where all the listeners come from and you get that breakdown and <laughs> you've got like, a, you know, I don't know, we could probably count how many countries this is listened to, li- uh, listened to in. It's a lot of countries, you know, it's a really, really big global spread. And I say that, but you know, there's like two dudes in, you know, kind of Ethiopia maybe, and then like two other dudes in New Zealand. And, you know, it's really real great spread. So it's cool. So yeah, please sharing the podcast if you, um, if you can, and if you, uh, if you could do us the honor, that would be really cool. So guys, uh, thank you for your time and cannot wait to see you guys on Sunday. Ditto, mate. Look forward to it. You too. See you soon. See you, mate. See you guys. Bye-bye.